No, it's awesome. I mean, moments like that are so cool because it really kind of, it forces you to dig deep and then you've kind of got this new perspective of, ah, right, so when I do this or when I say this or when I, you know, try that joke out or when I do this piece of business, how is that making my audience feel is a question that should be, I mean, arguably it should be the question that we ask ourselves as performers um, and as humans, you know, it's that classic thing of, you know, saying hello to people and smiling in the street or, you know, when you're, you know, without looking crazy, uh, but just being a nice person, um, it it makes people's days better. You, you're listening to The Mystery Behind Magic. The podcast for ever-learning magicians. Brought to you by Chanat Kish and Robbie Stevens. Hello and welcome to The Mystery Behind Magic. My name is Chanat Kish. And I am Robbie Stevens and today we had Matthew Lemote onto the podcast. He talks about loads of things, but my favorite was that he used my act as an example to talk about using and incorporating different aspects of your personality and hobbies in particular into your performances, which I thought was really insightful. Yeah, but don't worry. It wasn't all about Robbie. We talked about other things as well. And he also discussed how um, you can do it for yourself and how he does it to um, his routines and other people's routines as well. So the all the information in this podcast is so helpful. And it was like a mini masterclass of magic. I mean, honestly, the things he shared in this episode was truly amazing, inspiring and thought-provoking what did you think of the podcast yeah i i really enjoyed it and i think it was quite it, it helped me a lot and i highly recommend anyone listening that they should specifically try out the things that he said to do because i think it will really help boost your magic um yeah it was definitely uh thought-provoking as i said and eye-opening um if you want to follow his social media uh, to know more about him and his sort of stuff and where he shares more views on magic you can go to his youtube which he recently started called matthew lemonte um you can also go to his instagram matthew lemonte or uh, his other instagram called uh, giving magic and he shares certain specific topics of magic his thoughts um, about it as well really really good stuff i'll have it all linked uh below as well if you want to check it out at the end of the episode i would highly recommend you do so thank you so much for tuning in we hope you enjoy the episode Hello and welcome to The Mystery Behind Magic. I'm Chanat Kish. And I am Robbie Stevens and today we are joined with Matthew Lemorte. How are you today, Matthew? I'm very well, thanks. Very well. How are you? Good, thank you. Good. Good. Um, let's start right at the beginning. What got you interested in magic? Um... So I, I started, well, what got me interested? The story that I've told myself is I saw a magician on television when I was six years old. Um, I think it was Paul Daniels. Um, I can't be sure. 
but um, that's what sparked the interest. And then my older brother had a, uh, a Paul Daniels magic set in the loft. So I sort of begged my parents to get out of the loft and play with it. And that was kind of how it started, really. It kind of um, the magic bug bit me, as people say. And what do you th- what kept you interested uh, from then till now? That's a really good question, and I'm not sure, you know, what the that thing is. That I, I I'm interested to to hear other people's stories and try and figure out what what that thing is that keeps us all glued to this you know fantastic and yet absolutely crazy art form um i i I couldn't tell you what that thing is but for me though as a kid when you're able to do some magic and fool your parents or you know i don't know whether they were just being kind in retrospect (laughs) but they they put up with me um but you know being, being able to sort of get that attention and make people you know have have fun and i think there's something fun about knowing a secret to something that nobody else knows i think as a kid that's really attractive um so I think that's what's that's what kept me going younger, you know, in my younger years, and then moving throughout school, I it was my hobby, it was my thing. You know, I think when we're younger, we try to find our identity, and you know, going through primary school, it was like I was my thing was magic, and going into secondary school, my thing was magic, and you know, people had football or singing, dancing, or whatever, and everyone's kind of got their labels. Um, it wasn't until I hit uh, sixth form actually that I decided to kind of separate myself away from away from magic and kind of make a definite divide between my personal life and my kind of magic life if that makes sense um so yeah so would you say that there have only been kind of have there been times where the passion for magic has kind of died down slightly and and why would you say that is if there has been yeah definitely i i I've experienced moments where I've really, I've experienced moments where I just life got in the way. Like I, I went through a transition where you go like, I don't know, you're 16, 17, 18, you start hanging out more and going out to parties and stuff. And that became a bit more of my world, I suppose. Um, but I, I, magic was still there, but it just wasn't such a focus because I was interested in other things in life. Um, and so that was a bit of a dip, I suppose, in my my magic kind of um the time dedicated to magic but it's, it's never dipped out completely i've never completely you know let go of it or dropped it it's been a huge part of my life and i owe a lot to it um i think as a professional there's a few moments where you sort of especially when you've had a busy december or a particularly busy time and you start driving around the country a lot and you're seeing these people at parties that are having a really fun time and i'm just there for a a small window of time and then I've got to drive home. I'm not at the part, I'm not invited to the party and I'm not hosting it. And all of these things happen on, you know, the days, your Fridays and Saturdays where people are available for these things. You start to question, you know, it would be lovely to be on the other side and just enjoy time with friends and family and not, not be the entertainment all the time. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think there's been some times we sort of start to question that a little bit. Um, and for myself, there's just been a few moments where you've come away from a gig and either it didn't go as well as I hoped. I mean, I hold myself to a really high standard and possibly to my detriment. I don't know. Um, but if I come away from a gig and I know that that wasn't as good as it could have been, or if there was like some someone not being particularly kind or, you know, something happens that throws you off, you can drive home 
sort of thinking, you know, why am I doing this? What's what's the point? Um, but that, that generally that lasts about 12, 12 hours. Um, I can't remember who said it, but there was somebody talking about the subject of gigs and they said that they give themselves, um, I think it was a comedian, they, they give themselves permission to be annoyed about a gig or something until 12 o'clock the following day. And from that point on, they're not allowed to think about it or dwell on it. I think that's a great piece of advice just to, you know, if you've experienced something, even in, you know, taking magic away just in life, if, you, if you're annoyed about something uh, and it's really bugging you, then don't let it eat up your time because um, it's just a waste of time. So give yourself until 12 o'clock the next day and then you're not allowed to think about it. Okay. Um, you're sort of known as uh, the dapper magician. How did you get there? How, um, how did you get that title? Um, so the Dapper Magician, it was, I'm no longer known for it, actually. I, I, I'm, I'm interested to hear how you, how you came across that now. Uh, I suppose it's in some old magazines on the, in the internet. But yeah, so the Dapper Magician was something that I invented. Um, it was the closest thing that I could get to that kind of encapsulated my character and who I was and who I was trying to, um, What's the word? It, it, yeah, it, it was just the closest I could get to what I what I had in my vision in my head of of what I wanted to to present as a magician. Um, funnily enough, since then I'm no longer the the dapper magician. I'm actually the master of mystery now. Um, is is kind of my tagline, which I think fits fits me much better because I I focus on the mystery side of of magic and sort of the intrigue and curiosity. I, I really love that that side of uh, performing, but the dapper magic thing was just the uh, yeah an attempt at trying to crystallize what it was I was, I was trying to put out. Um, and so it kind of, yeah, I guess it kind of stuck for a little while, obviously. <laughs> how would you say, I guess, in, how would you go about getting an intriguing, an audience's curiosity? Is there, are there like certain particular things that you do to do that, I guess? Yeah, so I'm I'm trying to sort of I'm I'm looking at this question now and sort of looking at the audience that you you've got out there that are listening to this and how can I help them um, as best I can, and I think t- to do that we need to start thinking about the the storyline. So the way I approached the competitions, which I'm sure you've got some questions about later on, maybe, um, but the way I approached that was coming up with a narrative which people wanted to hear about or at least if they were listening it made coherent sense and there was a storyline and a, a narrative arc and and it, by having a direction to go in you can then drive your performances towards that goal so for example uh, one year my focus was time it's on the topic of time and that could go in lots, lots of different directions that could be about time travel that could be about um, the past the present and the future that could be you know about a whole host of things um, my take on it was um, past, present and future and around sort of wrapped around the idea of relationships and the butterfly effect is a topic which I've, I've kind of tackled quite a lot because I find it fascinating how small changes can make, you know, um, much bigger changes over a period of time. But it, it's 
by having a message to say with your magic. And that doesn't necessarily mean that your magic has to be kind of really deep and meaningful and stuff. What it really means is just have a have a target to go towards with your magic. If you want to make them laugh, then create a piece of magic that you know will make them laugh at the end or know that they'll look back on and they'll laugh at it. If you want people to you know, um, know a little bit more about you and your character and what you get up to, then think of a routine that could relate to that and then write out some notes about how people could you know what what are people going to learn about me at the end of this routine and what what insights are people going to go away with what story are they going to tell to their friends and family after watching you perform and for me I want that to be I saw some impossible magic um but there was this amazing person I met and his name was Matthew what I don't want is yeah I saw a magician and he does some cool stuff with some cards because that's that's not as um, as meaningful a transaction to make if you can kind of <laughs> change magic into a transaction, which it it is really. It's an exchange of you know, I, exchange of um, ideas and value and giving people something, um, which I, I'm really passionate about. Um, and so yeah, just just having a bit of a focus on what we're telling our audiences by doing our magic. Um, I think online magicians have there's a certain type of magic that's going around where people are sort of just focusing on the reactions and i think a lot of people are quite aware that some of these reactions are you know fake or set up and stuff but i think people need to keep in mind that those things are stylized to make the audience know that they're set up because it gets more clicks and it's driving revenue and that's a whole different beast in itself that's not magic for magic that's magic for clicks and and getting money um i think if we can start thinking about our magic in a way which gives audience something more than just experiencing something impossible, whether that's entertainment, laughter, storyline, a takeaway, a message, learning something about you as a magician, then I think that's a more meaningful transaction than just doing tricks. Um, and we'll definitely get onto the subject of uh, magic for magic and helping the community um, out later. And I just want to give um, the audience a bit of background to you if they haven't heard of you or uh, already, which would be quite a surprise. So you've won the um, Magic Circle Close-Up Magician of the Year three times in 2017, 18 and 19. Uh, you performed for um, uh, Holly... Um, on BBC One's um, one show and in front of millions and millions um, of viewers as well. And sort of on the topic of that, um, so I want to focus on winning um, the close-up magician of the year. You know, congratulations. It's such a big achievement. Um, Thank you. Let's go sort of back um, to the journey of how you got in. So, um how did you get into the magic circle in the first place or what interested you to get into the magic circle? It was actually, I mean, I was a, a member of the young magicians club, um, first. So I, I must've been, do you know what thinking about this always reminds me of this moment where I was like desperately the slip of paper had come for the young magicians club and I really wanted to become a member. I can still remember taking it to my parents' bedroom. It's quite, yeah, really poignant in my mind, but I joined the magic circle and uh, the young magicians club, sorry. And that was kind of my start of awareness about the club. I think one of my, I think it might be my dad might have Googled them or I don't know what, I don't know if Google was a thing back then. Um, yeah, we're talking 
20 years ago or something. Um, but yeah, I think my dad found out and then there was a young magicians club. And so I joined that. And because I was an out of towner, I only managed to make it down to the club sort of, I don't know, not as often as I'd like to, I think. Um, when I turned 15, 16, I started going more often. Um, so that was my first exposure, I suppose, to the magic circle. And then I didn't transition to becoming a member straight after stopping the YMC stuff because at that point I was so busy with other stuff um, in my life that magic wasn't the, the biggest priority and I don't get me wrong I was still sort of I, at that point I was performing in uh, restaurants and what else was I doing when I was 18 I was in sixth form I was performing in restaurants um, occasionally I was doing one or two you know, private bookings every couple of months or something. I, it was somebody that took me under their wing. I actually met someone called Matthew Garrett. Um, you may have heard of for releasing the Ninja Plus uh, project, which I was a part of in the early days. But um, he took me under his wing. I met him at a Blackpool convention when I was like 15, 16 uh, in the Ruskin one, you know, late at night. I think somebody introduced me to him or something. And, um, and we hung out for a long period of time and he kind of took me under his wing and was my first proper mentor, really, um and he said you know why don't you become a member of the magic circle and so that was the the trigger i'd i'd been street performing for a period of time i then went over to spain to house of illusion with uh, to do some shows with rodney uh rodney james piper for those that, that haven't heard of him um check him out and i came back from that and then you know i think it was matthew that just said why don't we get you get you becoming a member of the magic circle and that was that was why i joined and what made you decide that you want to enter um, the close-up uh, Magician of the Year competition? I I can't honestly answer that question. Um, I don't know. I, I it's funny because I was I've I've just opened up a um, I, yeah. I suppose this is this is hot news off the press because it's not really being officially released. But I've I've taken a couple of um, students on board for coaching to become members of the magic circle. And so I've just been writing this kind of um, information out and it's interesting because I was thinking about this um, yesterday and I, I don't know what that thing is. I know that my first competition I entered was at the YMC and it would have been, I think it was 2004. I still got my VHS audition tape in the loft. Um, I really need to digitize it before it rots or something. Um, but I, I've got footage now from, 2005 and 2006 and i got i think i placed second in 2005 joint second with uh michael jordan uh, who now is um doing a really good work and at the top of the tower in blackpool um and i don't know what that drive was i think part of it may have just been wanting to focus on something or yeah i don't know i don't even think that's the answer it's very interesting, but I started competitions, you know, to, to answer your question, this is a very, very long roundabout way of going about it. But I started the competition process and sort of was aware of that whole thing at Young Magicians Club. I then went on to enter IBM competition a couple of times. And then after joining the Magic Circle, um, my goal was to, to win Close-Up Magician of the Year. And the thing that drove that goal was watching or being part of the process of... of um, helping Matthew Garrett to create that act to for him to go on and win Close-Up Magician of the Year. 
Um, I lived with Matthew Garrett for a period of time. Um, he really helped me out. Um, and I just remember being there and being a part of that process and kind of seeing the, you know, from start to finish sort of all, all of the work that went into it and then being excited on the night he won it. And then the PR and I, I still remember sort of all the newspapers and stuff getting in touch. And I thought that's a, that's a good thing to do. So after I became a member, that was my goal. And I entered every single year since. So before Close-Up Magician of the Year, what were the kind of close-up acts that you did and how, how would you say they kind of differed from the acts you did for Close-Up Magician of the Year? Was there a major difference? Um, so the magic that I was doing for the YMC, uh, Bob Hamilton, who you may have heard of, who's probably got the biggest library of, of magic recordings um, ever. He, he's been at many... Um, conventions lecturers the magic circles main kind of videographer he sent me some videos which i haven't watched because i'm going to do a reaction video at some point what to watching them but i played one just for a few seconds to make sure it worked and i walked on stage and i just i went oh my god and just turned it off um because i need to save the reaction for yeah that's some good content right there um but so that those sorts of acts when i was a kid it it's um it's changed a lot. Let's put it that way, because I think, I think just, just the, if you, I, I, I have to say that I haven't met any anyone that's kind of younger than myself, or very few people that I've I've met that are younger than myself. I'm 31 at the moment. That's truly kind of found themselves, and I get the feeling that this is kind of a bit of a myth. I don't think people really find themselves. I think they just kind of get an understanding of themselves, and when you're you know, when you're younger, you're still trying to figure out, okay, what do I like? What do I not like? And so with magic, it's the same thing. It's like, okay, so what, what kind of magic do I like? What do I not like? And there, I remember, I really remember this piece of advice and you guys may, may tell me if I'm wrong, but there's a piece of advice that was kind of drilled into us at the YMC, which was just be yourself, just be yourself. And the answer to that is you can't be yourself if you don't know yourself. Um, so it's one of those pieces of advice which means absolutely nothing when you hear it. But retrospectively, when you look back at it, it's like, oh, yeah, that totally makes sense. I would give that advice to anyone because that's great advice. But it's not transferable. So <laughs> it's not so good in the, in the long term. I, I think the advice that I would give you know, for people that have heard that advice and they don't know what the hell it means is um, just to express yourself and tell your stories. So if I was, if I could go back in time and I was 15, 16, I would tell stories of me being at school or, you know, the friends that I have or the, you know, the funny uncle that I've got or whatever, um, or something I discovered in science class. Like I'll just talk my truth because that's all I've got to play with. I think I, I tried really hard to be somebody else. Um, you know, and I looked up to magicians that wore suits and looked fancy and I want to be that, that, and there's nothing wrong with that at all. I think everyone has to go through this imitation period of, experimentation and i think creativity starts with imitation and then gradually you, you put your own fingerprint on it but um yeah i don't know if i've answered your question um i've kind of gone on a ramble there what was the question i i can't remember now um oh good good well i must have answered that. it <laughs> <laughs> um but i so the piece of advice was just be yourself but with um let's say you create a whole different character because we had Kevin Doig on recently 
who was kind of talking about how he does a bit of magic in pantos. Would you say that kind of for people getting into magic, it's advisable to perform magic as yourself or maybe create a whole different, unique character that has a whole backstory? Or do you say just be yourself to start off with and then experiment afterwards? Sure. I I think annoyingly, there's no right answer to that. I mean, the example that I would I would give, like, so, so let's just play this out. So, so Robbie, what what sort of stuff aside from magic? What else are you interested in? Like, what 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 do you do outside of magic? I I'm quite interested in kind of being productive, and like because okay. I I like to watch loads of productivity YouTubers online, such as like Ali Abdal. And, and Thomas Frank, because I, I find their content quite enjoyable. And then I also like running and origami, quite quite a few things. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I... Um, I was going to say, it's funny you mentioned Ali, actually. I've just, I've just enrolled in his uh, his YouTube course. So, um, so yeah, I'm, I'm going to be... Well, he's one of my students for Magic. So I'm going to be coaching Ali. Um <laughs> I don't know if I can share that. I should probably put that by Ali. I don't know if he's uh, keeping it quiet or not. But um, but yeah, but uh, that's great. So you're into productivity, origami, and running. Yeah, yeah. He was just talking about you in um his not overthinking podcast with his brother, where uh, uh, he was talking about how you'd reached out to him, and uh, and when I heard that, I was like, wow. So that's that's kind of why I mentioned Ali Abdal, just because of the the shared interest. Oh, great. <laughs> That's kind of, kind of cool to hear. Um, yeah, so I, I am into to that sort of stuff. And I, um, yeah, and I won't go into that um, that side of things, but it's cool to know. But so, so what I would say is take your productivity um, interests and your origami stuff and your running. Okay, so now we've got three things that, that interest you and that, that you have a, some, some kind of a passion for. Um, I would then take those three elements and say to myself, right, so how can I now shape those three things and tell other people, communicate to other people that those are my interests in my routines? Because now the tables have turned. Now it's not about whether the card comes to the top again. And it's not about, you know, whether a card reverses in a pack or whether coins are, are moving from one hand to the other. What we're focusing on now, if we're turning everything literally on its head, we're going, right, who am I and what can I talk about? So it kind of comes back to our, our um, thing earlier on about finding funny who you are and just be yourself. Um, I would, you know, if I was to work with you, I would say, right, we've got these three things. How, what do you want to share with other people? What do you want people to know about you? And how can we communicate, you know, you as you as an individual to through your magic using magic as a medium to communicate and how can we share that with our audiences because ultimately that's what our audiences really want to know yes the magic is important yes it should be performed well and it should still be you know having that impact and they shouldn't understand how it works that's the whole point of magic is to give people this experience that is completely untangible but everybody can relate to what that feeling is but in the medium of that if you can communicate who you are and what your interests are, people are really interested in other people and they really want to know who you are, the person behind the magic. Um, so, I mean, do you currently do any routines that you 
communicate your interest in productivity or origami or running, for, for example? Is that have you incorporated those those interests in your routines? With so I've had two main routines. Uh, the first one, which I did for the Young Magicians Club in 2018, was kind of just it. It, it wasn't really about me. I mean, it was about the skills that I was learning, but it, it didn't particularly make much sense because I also kind of liked in, in those times to learn skills like unicycling and juggling and stuff. And then the, the recent one I've done kind of, it had just my memories in with the, the my favorite book, which I used to like as a child, but it doesn't include the skills I just mentioned, uh, the the hobbies. So are these two separate acts you're, you're describing? Yeah. Okay. So if we were to take the one about the stories that you, you picked up as a child, like if you could just sort of give me some broad strokes over over that that kind of idea. And actually, you know, the, the better question to ask is, did you feel that taking that um, that focus on helped guide your direction with the act or were you not happy with, with the results? Like what was your, your experience, like re- retrospectively looking at that act? Well, I, I think it was more that because I didn't start with the idea of having my favorite book. It, it, that I think that more came later because I I had the the think a drink routine, which came from the book because I, that was inspired from it, and then it was suggested that I could then incorporate the book into the whole theme, which I liked, and then I just added it in. Okay, are you referring to Our Magic by any chance? Mm, what? Sorry, uh, could you repeat that, please? What What was the book that you were? Um, that you oh, were discussing? oh, it was um a book called The Wishing Chair by Enid ah, Blyton. Okay, right. I'm not familiar with it. I'm not familiar with it. Um, it's just when you mentioned Think a Drink, I was thinking, oh, have you have you read Our Magic? Um, I was like, wow, that's that's impressive. If you have, is, is that a magic? Um, if you haven't read Our Magic, it is. You should definitely check it out. So that the person um, who kind of um, created the the magic tea kettle routine that we know today was David Devant. Um, and if you check out Our Magic, um, you'll be able to sort of check, you know, do do a bit of digging into that. I think it was masculine or Devant. Don't quote me on that. Um, yeah, yeah <laughs> I, masculine. My brain's gone I, a bit I just frazzled. It, up. it was masculine. There we go. Yeah. Masculine, yeah. So, but um, our magic was written by both David Devant and Masculine, and it's a fantastic book. Um, and I haven't finished reading it, but um, the chapters that I have managed to get through, it's a really good insight into into magic and the theory of magic. And that I'm exploring that book myself because there's some real nuggets of information that are still incredibly relevant now. Uh, but it's mainly on the theory side of things that I'm sort of digging into. Um, but I know that the the thinker drink routine is, can can be found in there. Um, but yeah, so so when you created that routine, sort of coming back on track, so when you created the routine with the the book, what was it that you wanted your audience to take away from that? Or was that something that you maybe hadn't focused on? Or, you know, what was your thinking? I'm not sure if I really kind of thought of what the audience should take away. I think it was more that I just wanted to find a way to incorporate my memories and I guess share that with them so they kind of know me a bit better okay uh, why, why did you want to do that 
Oh no, oh gosh. Uh, let's see. This is really digging deep. Let's, hmm. It's good though, Can right? I say something? Could I, could I say something? As an audience member watching um, Robbie's routine, it sort of at least made me feel like um, or think back of some of uh, my memories from my youth as well. So, yeah. Oh, wow. That's fantastic. Okay. Isn't that a great insight, Robbie? Yeah, yeah, because yeah, I hadn't really thought of that before. But then I could, I guess, maybe somehow direct the routine into doing that as well. I have to just point out that the moment that we've just experienced there that we ran through, I mean, Chanad for jumping in, that's fantastic because that encapsulates everything I'm trying to get across in just one short 10 second stint. If you listen to that process, if you're listening to this podcast, rewind 30 seconds and listen to that again. Um, because Robbie, even though he wasn't aware of what he was doing on his audience, Chanad experienced that thing. And that's really what I'm trying to get to the root here was trying to figure out what the audience are taking away because our audiences are going to take things away from everything we do you know robbie you what by the sounds of it you were unaware that chanad had, had that as a takeaway but now you're aware of it like can you see it from a different perspective yeah yeah definitely which is really i mean really insightful and uh, so yeah th thank you both no it's awesome I mean, moments like that are so cool because it really kind of it forces you to dig deep and then you've kind of got this new perspective of ah right so when i do this or when i say this or when i you know try that joke out or when i do this piece of business how is that making my audience feel is a question that should be i mean arguably it should be the question that we ask ourselves as performers um, and as humans you know it's that classic thing of you know saying hello to people and smiling in the street or you know when you're you know without looking crazy uh, but just being a nice person, um, it it makes people's days better. But taking that one step further, being a magician and doing these impossible things, what impact is that having on our audiences? And how are they how are they feeling when I make that joke? It might be funny to everyone else, but how is that individual feeling? How am I looking? How how do I look when when I do that thing or whatever? And uh, to be honest, I, I remember doing gags and jokes and bits of business early on that, yeah, it got a joke, it got, got a laugh, but I slowly realized that isn't what I wanted my audience to feel. So I started to adapt the joke, change it or or move a piece of magic around to make them feel and think of something different. And I think that it's in that kind of little space there of, of playing with how you want your audience to feel, then expands this into this huge world of possibility of oh my god i can make them i can make them think about like uh, their memories from a book for example that chanad uh, sorry that the, the robbie you, you were talking about um and, and chanad related to or it could be about um you know relationships with my friends and family or it could be about you know what i want to achieve my aspirations i could get my audiences to think about their future and and how they want to go next and i can really inspire them just by doing the magic we do but in what we say and how we present it is where the real power uh, in magic is i think there's a clear distinction between tricksters and magicians and the difference is that a trickster does tricks and their intent is different their intent is i want to get something from this transaction i'm showing this trick to make myself feel better 
look better, have my ego massaged, um, you know, look cool or impressive. Look, look what I can do and you can't do this. And isn't this cool? Um, and then there are magicians. And, and in my opinion, a magician is somebody who, who gives people an experience and is there to share something which they have. It's a very precious thing that you can kind of go, you know, let's, let's all be in this together and share something which is on, on an equal ground and, Here's a thing I'm, I've carefully crafted just for you to perform it for you. And when you've, when you've got the intent nailed down of, I really intend to make my audiences feel something and give them a good time. That's when our magic, you know, people's responses to our magic um, go through the roof because then they feel, they know, they can sense that that's your intent. Um, it, I, I know it's quite, I don't know what the, the demographic of the, the listeners are here, but if you've heard of somebody called Gary Vaynerchuk, he talks a lot about this in his own kind of brash uh, um, New York, Brooklyn style. Um, it's, uh, it's about authenticity and, and your intent is really important um, when considering life in general. But applying that same thinking to magic is, um, yeah, it's really kind of, it struck a chord with me when I heard him talking about it. And, you know, he does come across his kind of Jersey way of, you know, American way of doing it, but uh, he's got some important things to say on the topic. But yeah, so I think it's about looking at magic from a way that, that makes your audiences feel something and the story that they go on to tell somebody else is the important thing I think about. It's not necessarily what happens in that moment. It's what are they going to say the next day when they're, you know, at office in their office or with their friends or their mates, you know, down the park or whatever, how are they going to tell people, retell the story that you created? And I don't mean story as in once upon a time, I was, you know, people have that act and that's fine. But the, I mean the story that they tell when they say, I saw a magician and they did. What's that story? Because if you try and look at thinking about that story, that's the story that actually lives on. The moment of performing the magic is something that just happens in a moment and, you know, it's gone in a second. Um, the story is the thing which exists forever, potentially. So that's the that's the thing that I think about anyway. I think that's, uh, yeah, I think it's really important. Yeah, definitely. And um, <clears throat> what you just uh, sort of, I'm going to say, did to Robbie, um, taking him through that mind process is, I think, just made me think about of... Um, you giving back to the magic community um which is uh sort of what i want to move to now and why do you feel like you need to or why do you want to give back to the magic community um i think it's because magic is so important to me and i care about it so deeply um I want to see the future of it and be hopeful and and be kind of in a, in a position where I'm like, yeah, magic's going in a really good direction and and uh, and everyone has a really good opportunity to to do this because I don't know how I feel at the moment with the current positioning of magic. I mean, I think it's just, you've, you've dug deep there with that question. Um. I think it's because I want to make people care about magic as much as I do. 
<laughs> I don't know if that's the right wording for it, but magic so so deeply embedded in me as a human. I mean, I've been doing it since I was six years old, and magic has served me so well. I mean, magic's enabled me to speak to people, to make people laugh. Um, it's it's given me friendships. It's um, you know, I've met um, girlfriends through it, and it's, it's completely changed my entire path through life like it's given me so much opportunity i've i've been in some amazing places and been lucky enough to work in some incredibly um you know opulent places and for amazing people and, and you know get certain opportunities that i would never have had without magic you know if i was just you know you know matt at the office that did some it on the weekends I, i'd never have experienced any of this it's just such an incredible thing that i want to give back and that's what magic has given to me. So I feel I owe it something uh, on, on some level. But really, I also feel that magic from the public's perspective and in, in the entertainment industry isn't respected as much as I feel it should be. I think magic is, is just as complex as, as, uh, as art or as acting uh, or, or singing or dancing, if not even more complex because of the many levels involved. But why isn't it being held on a pedestal that, you know, singing, acting and dancing is like, why are we, you know, down, down the bottom and sort of associated with children's parties or, you know, um, you know there's a bunch of us down at the bottom and they, they encompass like mime, clowning, juggling, ventriloquists and magicians seem to somehow be at the bottom of the pile. And I don't know why that is. And the interesting part of, of that saying that is there are schools for clowning that you can go and study clowning like intensively and with a lot of meaning and there's a lot of you know facets to clowning and it's a very difficult thing to do right there's also schools for there's dance schools you can go to dance schools for you know a long long courses for that sort of stuff the only school that i'm aware of that does a long form education system is um as far as i'm aware is, is south africa um, there's a there's a school of magic out there who uh, who do this. Um, I'm not quite sure if their syllabus and the way they operate, but I know it's a more longer term process, as far as I can tell from a distance. I haven't visited them yet or had a proper conversation with them. Um, but I feel that there, there's a space that needs to be filled for that. And my thinking on it is, if I want the public to respect magic as an art form, and if I want the industry to look at magic as a respected art form and appreciate it then the only way to do that is to improve magic. Okay, so how do you improve magic? Well, you create a platform that people can come to to then learn and better themselves and and discover more and give them the install the, the values and the the morals and the, the the ethic, the work ethic involved in magic and give them the opportunity. I want people to be able to access this and immediately, if they've got that drive, they really want to be become the best magician they possibly can, then they've got access to that. It's not behind doors or really difficult to find, or you need to get in with, you know, some um, tight knit group of magicians in order to achieve that. I, I, you know, there are so many gatekeepers now to, to getting information, but I think as the internet's evolved, that's, that's becoming less and less, but I still feel with magic is a highly secret kind of world. And even magicians between themselves keep a lot of secrets between each other because of, you know, a multitude of different reasons. Um, you know, fear of stealing material or whatever, which definitely happens. And, you know, that, that's a thing. But ultimately, if you find someone that you you um, you like, you respect, and they know what they're talking about, then learn as much as you can from that individual because um, you've got a great opportunity sat right in front of you. So, uh, so yeah, definitely, like, 
take any opportunity to learn i think is the uh that is the mantra that i've definitely taken on throughout my entire career as a magician it's just learn 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 say yes to an awful lot and eventually you'll you'll get better i hope that answers your question that's quite long-winded <laughs> no it definitely did yeah thank you um Ruby, do you want to ask uh, your question? Sorry, my Wi-Fi completely cut out there for maybe two minutes, yeah, no, so can't. I'm not really up to can date. Can you hear me, Robbie? With yeah, I, I can hear you. Can you hear me? Okay, there yeah. we go. We're back. Yeah, yeah. Okay, good, good. Okay. Um, did you have a question to ask, um, Matthew? Did I have a I, question? I, no, no, no. I, I had a question, but then I think Matthew answered it. So that then okay. I, yeah. So it's all good. Okay, cool. Um, right. Um, then let's go. Okay, so I'll ask a question then. Um, so you sort of talked about like the secrecy behind magic as well. Do you reckon that people should be more open about sharing magic? Uh, with other people with other magicians um i mean the short is a complex complex situation isn't it because you've there's so many layers to this but in a word yes um yes people should be more open but in the same breath people should also be more respectful in our in our community like if you see somebody doing something you don't steal it um you, you add something to it or you change it in some sort of way like there's a it, it, it's such a complex thing to answer because in order to get into magic, you have to imitate something. You saw a magician, therefore you're going to imitate that style somehow. It's just natural. That's part of the journey. And I think every magician goes through a journey where they start off doing tricks and then they find out a little bit more about magic and then they, you know, they might see another magician do something. So they just completely copy the, 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 the script or the way they do something or the idea. And that's part of the process. We've got to do that. Um, but there, there comes a point where, you realize that actually by creating something original that's completely me and using my own words and using my own voice and telling people my stories, nobody can ever steal that. They can say the same things and they can do the same things, but they can't really steal your story. So the more of you, you that you can implement into your routines, the less stealable that material is. So for example, I could talk about, um, a story about me um i don't know going on holiday getting lost and then you know finding a rabbit in a forest that actually that that story could have happened to me it didn't but that story could have actually happened to me and nobody else could tell that story because there's no authenticity behind it and i don't know if you guys have um are aware of um, juan tamariz's work but he has this idea called the um the uh, seven veils of, of magic and he talks there's a video clip online i think it was taken from a um a piece of footage from a film put out by the buck twins and r paul wilson um called our magic and juan basically says this to the camera it's on youtube check out juan tamari's seven veils of magic it's about three and a half minutes long and in that three and a half minutes he basically completely nails 
what he's trying to get across. It's it's remarkable. He must have thought about that for so long, and then for it to all be condensed and compressed down to three and a half minutes. It's it's a remarkable thing to achieve. But I I urge you to go and watch that clip because it gives you a whole new perspective of magic. And essentially, what he's saying is the audience isn't stupid. They can pick up on everything. Even the things you say or the things you do, the audience know really whether you're that person or not. Because we've all, we've all met somebody who says things like, oh yeah, I'm doing this and yeah, I've achieved this. And you know, you just know that they're lying. There's no, you just know that they haven't been there and experienced that thing. And our audiences aren't stupid. Yes, there's this whole, you know, people go to a theater to watch a show and they know that the characters aren't, act, you know, they're actors playing a part. Um, but as magicians, when we've got the proscenium arch around it and it's kind of in that box, I think we do have permission to get away with that. And, you know, that's fine. But as close-up performers, there's a much more kind of realness to it. And I think being able to share something about yourself um, with an audience in that setting, I think it needs to feel authentic to really kind of connect with your audience. Because if they know you're kind of trying to say something that isn't true or you, whatever you, you, you're saying isn't meant with with um, with truth behind it, then audiences can just pick up on that. The exception to that rule is if you create a character and your character is obviously, you know, people are then jumping into the world of your character and then you can, you know, say whatever you like. As long as it's attached to that character, then it's fine. They'll, they'll take the whole performance as a, um, a piece of entertainment. But when we're performing one-on-one with a group of people and we're playing the part of ourselves being a magician, then I think it's important to get across part of parts of who we are and, and what we think and feel and what our values are and what we care about and what we aspire to be and just being true to ourselves audiences know that they can just sense it and it makes a real difference and you can make huge leaps and bounds in your your magic when you start thinking of it in that terms rather than you know what's the latest trick and oh this is going to really floor them and you know those things are good and they're fun and they've got their place and everything. But if you find something that's really going to floor them, take the magic aspect or the wow factor or the experience that that thing creates, and then just tell your own way of doing it. Like ask, I mean, I think a great exercise is to ask yourself the, um, was it the six, six W's who, what, where, why, where, and when, uh, and why, um, once you've answered all of those questions, it really, it sounds like a really boring thing to do, right? I'm going to write this down and we're going to go through this process. Um, but what you get from it, it might take you about five minutes, if that, to really kind of get into it. But once you look at that piece of paper, you've, it then gives you a direction and your brain starts to become more engaged in the process. And once you've done it like 20, 30 times for different routines, that is essentially training your brain to think in those terms. So once you've done it enough times, you won't need the piece of paper and the pen and the pad and have to sit down and do it again. You will just see a piece of magic and go, okay, yeah, I know why I'm doing that. And I, I know the routine and it just becomes second nature. Um, I think, you know, my experience of it is uh, I love magic. I hate doing the whole sit down writing thing. And I, I really don't enjoy having to do the work of, you know, write stuff down and find ideas and do all this stuff. Um, but that process is something which can kind of um it's like a muscle it, you train it eventually it becomes second nature and you don't need to do the writing um i think i you know i i've kind of 
I've tried all of that stuff and I've always sort of been into self-development and trying new things and, and trying to grow. I, I'm quite interested in that uh, aspect of life because I think by improving slowly and incrementally, we just become better people and becoming a better person means we get more opportunity and we just become better. Like, why not? Why not become better when, when we can? Um, and so, yeah, I, I think thinking about magic in, on those terms is a, uh, is a great way to, to sort of position yourself. That that's great. Thank you so much for sharing all that with us. And um, I mean, everything you shared has been incredible. So thank you so much. And to finish the podcast off, we have a few quick questions uh, to answer you. Some quick fire round. Okay, I'm I'm ready. Okay. Favorite thing about magic? Oh, um, the complexity of it. Favorite deck of cards. 52 of them. <laughs> if you could only keep one book, what would it be? Oh, <laughs> boy. Um, that is, so we'll come back to that. What's the next one? Okay. <laughs> you may not like this one. If you could only perform one effect, what would it be? Oh, man, are you for real? Okay. <laughs> okay. So, uh, if there's only one thing I could perform, what would it be? Oh, I can't answer that with any kind of, um, um, either. Okay, I'm going to write it down to two, the gypsy thread yep, or, um, a trick by Simon Lovell called the lovey dovey card trick. Cool. If you could meet any magician, who would it be and why? Uh, David Devant, because his thinking in our magic is um yeah very aligned with my own and i'd like to sit down and have a cup of tea with him that'd be cool um one piece of advice that you would give to your younger self keep on doing what you're doing you, you'll make it and a uh, favorite book favorite book yeah i got uh, to it that is a toughie hmm. boy oh boy um do you know what? I'm going to have to go with the Royal Road to Card Magic, yeah. just because I learned so much from that book, and um, and I, I remember sitting down as a kid and reading it. So I'd have to go back to Royal Road. No, thank you so much for coming on, Matthew. I really appreciate it. It was such a good episode, and I'll have his, uh, I'll have all his social media links uh, down in the description below if you want to check him out. I would highly recommend you do. Uh, his stuff is amazing. Thank you once again, Matthew, so much for coming on the podcast, and thank you for listening.
Amazing. Thank you so much, Matthew, for coming on the podcast. We really appreciate it. And thank you for sharing everything you did with us. Thank you so much. No, it's, it's been an absolute pleasure, an absolute pleasure. And, uh, and thank you guys for, for asking me to do it. No, no, absolutely. Thank you so much for uh, coming on the podcast and sharing um, everything you did with us. If you want to follow Matthew, there'll be some links in the show notes below. Once again, thank you so much, Matthew, for coming on the podcast. Thanks, guys. Really, really, really fun time. And thank you for listening.